Good. Good to see you. And uh, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here at Plaza. Thank you for joining us today for worship. It's going to be a great day. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament. If you're new uh, to uh, the Bible, it is the third book of the New Testament. If you need to use the table of contents, do that. There's a Bible in front of you as well. Or if you've got a mobile device, find Luke. Chapter 5 is where we're going to be. And um, we can actually go back one slide, Brother Michael. And, um, and uh, hey, welcome to our online audience. I see you guys say hello in the chat. In fact, uh, for all of our folks online who couldn't be here for a variety of reasons, whether, uh, you know, life just happened or whether they're still home, can we just give our online folks just a round of applause here, show them some love. You guys are not forgotten about. I want to thank you. And again, please say hello in the chat. I see you. I'm, I'm watching the chat, so say hello in there and uh, want to do that. Let's go back one more slide, Brother Michael. And uh, so the title of today's message is this, as you find your way to Luke chapter 5, is uh, The Greater Miracle. Luke chapter 5, Matthew, Mark, Luke. The Greater Miracle. The Greater Miracle. How many of you believe that miracles happen? Raise your hands. Yep. See, some of y'all raised your hand in church for the first time. That was a miracle, and um, that was the first miracle you ever experienced, and so glad that happened. And uh, so miracles do continue to happen in all sorts of ways. Sometimes, I know this, I have a particular miracle I'm looking for, right? I'm praying for a specific person to be healed. Uh, I'm, I'm praying for a certain thing to happen. I'm, I'm praying for uh, a job. You know, some of us are praying for a spouse. Some of us are praying to... Um, past the fifth grade or, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, we're praying about a job that's coming up, and, and that's the miracle we're looking for. Um, how many of you know that sometimes God does an even greater miracle, even when the miracle you, you were hoping for doesn't necessarily happen? I know that's happened to me on several occasions, and, um, you know, expecting a miracle or praying for something to happen, and then God changes uh, the plan. And uh, I can remember vividly one time, um, and, and this is where a miracle did happen, but I think what happened inside of me was even bigger than the miracle. I remember when I was in college, my grandfather was sick, and I got a call to leave college and say, you got to go to New York where my grandfather lived, and you got to go see him because we don't know how many days, hours he has left. And I was doing some training there at college, and so I had to book it. Uh, from where uh, I went to college. It was about an hour drive. I, I went to Gardner-Webb University, go running Bulldogs. I know everybody in this room has heard of Gardner-Webb, and um, I can tell by the um, raucous applause. And so, and, uh, but anyhow, we're the running Bulldogs, just a little teeny place, one stoplight town in Boiling Springs. Uh, the, the spring didn't even boil anymore uh, in North Carolina. But I had to drive to Charlotte, is, uh, catch a flight out of Charlotte, and then head up to New York. And uh, so it's about an hour, hour 15, yeah, you know, just depending. And uh, let me tell you what, I thought I had more time. I was doing this training. I was an RA at college. And I was doing this training. I thought I had more time to uh, get to my flight. And then I just looked at the clock and it was like, oh, snap, I'm going to be late. And so, you know, I just drove the speed limit the whole way there. No, I didn't. Oh, man, I was booking it down those country roads, and then I got on 85, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. And so any uh, potential drivers, current young drivers, don't do what I did. And, uh, and so, but I was just flying. I mean, I was doing 85 or above on 85, you know, to get there. Because I was thinking in my mind, you know, my grandfather is about to pass away, and, um, you know, I can't miss this flight. I can't miss this flight. And, um, and something in my mind just kept telling me, I was a Christian at the time, 
And uh, it was the Lord who was just telling me, slow down, I'm going to take care of you. Slow down, you're, you're going to be fine. Like, it's okay. And um, how many of you know I paid attention to that voice or did I ignore it? Oh, I ignored it. Yep, I ignored it big time. And, um, and so I ignored that, and I was just flying. And I was just praying, okay, Lord, it'll be a miracle if I can get there on time. And now this is uh, pre-9-11 days as well. And so you can move at least moderately quick, quickly through TSA and all that sort of stuff. And so, man, I get there, you know, flying to the parking spot, grab my stuff, run to the terminal, get through, uh, you know, the, the TSA that was, uh, again, a lot quicker, and then start running. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just making, and I get, and I see, like, this is the door. And if you're watching on, there's a door over here. And I get to the door just to see them close the door. You know, because that's the little the little gateway to, you know, whatever they call that thing, and uh, to get on the plane. And I'm just like, oh, no, God, I thought, God, I needed a miracle. And I was. I was praying the whole way, like, God, I need a miracle. I need to get there on time and because uh, I got to see my grandfather and, and catch this flight. And, uh, and I was just like, oh, man, oh, man. And, um, and so I just mope around asking if somebody can help me, you know, um, uh, one of the gate agents. And I, and I, I say, look, I, I was here for this flight. Can you let me on? No, door's closed. Like, once the door's closed, like, Federal law, we can't, we can't let you in there, blah, 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 whatever, you know, and I'm like, listen, I, I, you don't understand the, the, the situation I'm faced with. My grandfather's sick and passed away. I got to get there to see him, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm headed on this flight to, you know, Newark, and, um, and blah, 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 and they're like, that wasn't the gate for Newark. I'm, I'm like, no, 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 I got a ticket here. It says gate number four, and they're like, yeah, we changed that. Your gate's over here, and... Um, and let me show you where it's at. And I still had plenty of time. Um, and I just moseyed on over there, and I just thought, man, you know, something had happened. God had arranged it. Now, listen, uh, that was an example of disobedience, of not listening to. And so the miracle was not that I made it there and didn't get a, a ticket. That was not the miracle. Do not misunderstand me. That was not the miracle. Uh, the miracle wasn't that I still got on the plane. plane. The miracle was I learned a very important lesson that day. When God tells you to stop and slow down, you had better listen because he has a much better plan. Amen. And so I, I had learned that miracle of like, God, I know you're telling me it's going to be okay. And so something inside of me, there was a seismic shift in my spiritual growth that day. It was like, God, you spoke to me and I disobeyed and you still showed yourself faithful. Like you could have just been like, I told you. And, uh, but God showed his mercy to me and his kindness to me. And, and it was this reminder that you can trust the plans and the heart of God. And so how many of you know that, again, sometimes there is a greater miracle that happens to us, amen? So let's check out this uh, passage here in Luke chapter 5. He is calling his disciples again, and there's going to be uh, these amazing things that happen here. So Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, uh, if you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 says this, On one occasion, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Man, are you here to hear the word of God today? I hope so. Okay, two people are. And um, hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's just another name for the Sea of Galilee. There's a variety of reasons why they call it different names, uh, just like sometimes we get called different names. Um, not bad names, though, just, you know, reasons. Verse number two. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets, right? They were done for the day. Verse 3, 
Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now, again, if, if you're not familiar with what's going on here, this, this, the fishing day is over, right? They were fishing early in the morning or throughout the watches of the night. And now Jesus is coming here. They're washing their nets. They're cleaning up for the day. They've had a long day. And, and Peter's going to allude to this. They're, they're tired. They're ready to go home. And now Jesus is saying, hey, can we use this boat as, a, as an auditorium, you know? And um, I can get back up a little bit. I can use the lake and its acoustics. My voice will kind of reverberate off that. Of course, he didn't say it all that way. But, but he said, you know, I want to teach these people here. And, um, and so that's what's happening there. And I, I could just imagine Simon Peter's eye roll, right? Like when your kids think they're done with the chores and you say, no, you forgot to start the dishwasher and they're already in bed. Um, it doesn't happen at your house. And, um, and they kind of give this eye roll like I'm already warm and in bed and now I got to get back out again. And um, yes, you do. And, uh, and so Jesus asking them to put out into the, uh, the water there. All right, now we're in verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Reach over, touch your neighbor, say, do you want to catch something? Not any germs, though, not any germs. All right, if you're at home, if you're at home, shout, shout to whoever's in the living room, say, do you want to catch something? Do you want to catch something? That's the question for Simon Peter. You want to catch something? And uh, this is the miracle, obviously, Simon Peter is looking for. Verse 5, and Simon Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Ooh, boy, if you don't have that one underlined in your Bible, you might want to underline that one. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were what? Breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to them and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And then verse 11 closes with this and says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray together for the message here. Father, as it's already been prayed this morning, we come before you humble. We come before you in need of you. Every person watching online, every person in this room, we have a great need for Jesus Christ. And God, I just ask that you would fill us, Lord, uh, with yourself. I pray, Father, that through this time, um, you would be exalted, that Christ would be exalted in all of our hearts, so we'd see you more clearly. And I pray, Father, for all of us, And I want to ask you seated there uh, in your seat or watching at home online or driving as you're listening to this, would you just have a little conversation with God right where you're at? Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, would you have a conversation with God? And you might want to just say something like this. Just in the quietness of your heart, just say, dear Jesus, I'm listening. Dear Jesus, I'm listening. And you might want to say something like this. Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today. Just right there in the quietness of your heart, ask God to speak to you.
Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, God. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. All right. Sometimes, this is the big idea for today, sometimes the greatest miracle isn't obvious. Sometimes the greatest miracle that God wants to do in your life and in my life isn't the obvious one. And yes, we see in this passage here the miraculous catch of fish. But I think there are several other miracles that happen here that we should pay attention to. And I I want you to pay attention to several other miracles that God may be doing in your life today, this year, uh, this week. Amen. And so um, as as we navigate this passage here, we're going to use the acronym FAITH because faith is what is required for us to uh, navigate these miracles. As we're in this series about being different, different means we are people of faith. We're not people of fear. We're not people of opinions. We are people of faith. The Bible says, I walk by faith, not by sight. And faith is the ability to see, as we said last week, to see things from God's perspective. Not do I see it from my perspective, but do I see it from God's perspective? And so we're going to use this acronym for faith today. You can write this one down. Uh, Letter F is for this, find the truth. Find the truth. As we navigate these greater miracles, we're going to learn how to walk by faith. Find the truth. Notice the use of the word the there, not find a truth, right? We live in a world today uh, that believes there is no such thing as truth. Truth is some sort of ancient language that should never be brought up back again. It's a banished language. But this says, find the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, the life, and the truth. But we live in a world today that says, hey, you do you. Live your truth. Hey, I'm just living my truth. I'm just living out my truth. If someone says that to you, Just, uh, you know, allow the Holy Spirit. Don't get all judgmental on people now. I'm not saying that, but allow the Holy Spirit uh, to just raise your attention a little bit more. Because when someone says, I'm just living out my truth, the question should always be, man, am I living out God's truth? Because there is a creator who made you, sir, who made me. And the question is, are we living to how the creator made us to live? But we live in a world today that everybody wants to claim their own version of truth. Now, to be sure, people have their own opinions, their own perspectives. Uh, when something happens to somebody, two people may see the same event in very different ways. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But, you know, if, if, if I saw an event from the right side of the street and you saw the event from the left side of the street, the truth still happened on the street. Amen. So we may see it differently, uh, but the reality is there is still truth. And so we need to make sure that is navigating. We need to find the truth. As, as believers, we should be clinging to the truth. The question is, where do we find the truth? It's right here. This is where we find the truth. And we need to make sure we are people who are seeking the truth, who are pursuing God and the person of Jesus Christ through the reading of Scripture, the memorizing of Scripture, the meditating on Scripture, the listening to Scripture, all of those things. And, um, and, and, and that's what we need to be um, surrounding our minds with and our souls with. Amen. Let's look at the first couple of verses here again. You saw me allude to this, verses 1 through 4. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the what? 
the word of God. That's where we find the truth, the word of God. And I'm glad the crowd was pressing in. The crowd didn't always want to hear the truth, but in this instance, they did. They wanted to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, verse 2, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little from the land, and he sat down, and he what? He taught the people from the boat. Jesus is teaching the word of God. And verse 4 says this, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Again, notice here uh, the commands here. He said to Simon. He gave Simon a task. He gave Simon truth, right? Simon, this is what I want you to do. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Put down your nets for a catch. What Jesus says here is, Truth, he is speaking. Anytime Jesus speaks, he speaks truth. Anytime the devil speaks, the Bible says the devil is the father of lies, and he speaks his native tongue, and his native tongue is always lies. And so we have to ask ourselves, who are we listening to? Who are we listening to throughout the day? I, I hear voices, not like, you know, I hear voices, voices. And, um, but, you know, there's this internal conversation we have about stuff, about ourselves, about our lives, about our future. And, and those voices could come from you. It could come from um, how God has wired you, from your mind, from your spirit. Those voices could come from God or those voices could come from Satan. And so we have to be people who know the word to be able to evaluate what is truth. When I start feeling like a terrible person, when I start feeling lazy and I start feeling like, you know, all this sort of stuff, I have to ask, where is that thought coming from? Is that thought coming from God? Or is that thought coming from Satan? Or is that thought coming from myself? When I start feeling angry because I want to grab somebody by the collar and, and help them as we stand in the checkout line, I have to evaluate that. Is that the truth? Is that coming from the Word of God? When I get anxious and I start being afraid about a situation, and I start thinking all the variables of what could go wrong. And, and I start fearing people's opinions of me. And, and, and all I can focus on is other people and how they might view me. And that anxiety starts to build up in me. I start to feel my chest tighten and my palms get sweaty. I still start evaluating, is that from the Lord? Because what would the Lord say to me in that midst? And so we need to know the truth. Who are we listening to? John, this is, uh, we'll put it on the screen. John 17, 17 says this, sanctify them or grow them or change them. This is Jesus praying for us, right? Sanctify them, change them, grow them by your what? By your truth, by your truth, and your word is what? Truth. Touch your neighbor, tell them you need the truth. All right, touch your other neighbor, tell them you need the truth too. All right, now you ready for this one? Now tell them, I need the truth too, right? I need the truth too. We all need the truth, not a truth, not opinions. We need the truth. And this is how God grows us. Sanctify them by your word, and your word is truth. And then another passage on the screen, Romans 10, 17. So faith, right? Faith, you want to increase your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, or you may have memorized it, the word of God. And so if you want to build up your faith, if your faith is like it, you have to be hearing something. 
And what are you hearing all day long? Hey, listen, if all you're doing is watching news all day long, you ain't hearing the truth. I'm just telling you, listen, and that's true for Fox. That's true for CNN and MSNBC, and I don't even know what other uh, ones are out there. If you are spending your day marinating your brain in that, that's not the truth of the Word of God. If you are spending your days at school listening to the opinions of your friends or watching YouTube uh, stars all day long and, and you watch uh, 500 YouTube videos a day of all of these folks, you are marinating your brain in that. I know this may be a new concept. Everything online is not true. It's shocking. It's shocking. I know. But see, are you marinating your brain in that? Are you marinating your brain in the opinions of your teammates or your coworkers? Uh, and, 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 and if you're uh, engaging with your coworkers who, who may or may not be believers and you're marinating your brain in that all day long, what are you hearing and what are you listening to? Is that the truth? Because it's going to have an effect on you. You heard this statement, right? Maybe when you were little, garbage in, garbage out. And if we are feeding our minds with garbage all day, what are you watching on Netflix? What are you listening to on the radio or in your headphones or your AirPods or whatever else it might be? Is it the truth of the word of God? And listen, you got to evaluate preachers that you listen to online, too. Because not every preacher is preaching the word of God. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, this this past year, I think, has... Uh, <laughs> shown the, the cover back for many uh, preachers who have uh, had more allegiance to other things in our world other than the word of God. It's been disheartening as people I respected and looked up to really showed their true colors by pledging allegiance to uh, a political party or a political idea over and above the scriptures. And it's been heartbreaking to watch that, um, that now something else has take, taken precedent over the word of God, the truth. And so who are you listening to? The whole QAnon thing. My wife was telling me a story about some people she talked to and some, some strong believers, and, and they are spending their days checking out the QAnon stuff. And I'm just here to tell you that is not the word of God. And are you marinating your brain in that? Find the truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. If you spend more time in anything else other than the word of God, it's going to have an effect on you. And so listen, get so, we, we memorize verses here every month, right? He is not here. He is risen. That's, that's our verse for this one. You can tell our family. We, we talk about it at the dinner table uh, with the verse. You can pick them up as you leave today, as you exit on those back tables. And so, um, and, um, and, and so listen, Amer I mean, that's just one small way. But, I mean, get, get some stuff, some worship music that, that speaks the truth. Get some solid preaching just in your mind day in and day out and, and marinate. I mean, again, it's so easy. Now, you can press on the Bible app, and it can just read you the whole Bible. Like, I mean, like surround yourself with the word of God because we can start believing believing lies and if you hear a lie long enough you'll start to believe it's true you start to believe that your um, sin is not sin and um, and someone affirms you and says what you're doing is okay it's not that big of a deal you start to hear that you'll eventually believe that lie and you'll be wrecking yourself if you start to believe the lie that you are not good enough you start to believe the the lie that God doesn't love you you'll start to believe that like we can go through, everyone has a different lie that Satan is attacking us with. And so this is where miracles happen when we listen to the word of God. Do you have the habit of doing that? 
the habit of listening to the Word of God. In our 201 class, we talk about hear, read, study, memorize, meditate, and then apply. We tell people how to get a grasp on the Scriptures. We use those six things. Hear, read, study, memorize, meditate, apply. Hear, read, study, memorize, meditate, apply. Are, are you doing that, sir or ma'am? And, 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 if, and if not, then, like, that's it. Just close the sermon, close your Bible for today, and just that's what I need to work on today. Amen? Marinate your mind in that. You might be young. You might be old. Are you spending time in God's Word? Because that is where the truth, not a truth, but the truth is found. Amen? I love you. Let's go on to the next one. A. So find the truth. A. Act on what you find. Act on the truth. Act on it. You can't just listen to it. Right? The Bible says you've got to be a doer of the word. Somebody said you've got to act on it. Put act on it in the chat. I'm looking for my chat people. I'm, I'm seeing y'all. Okay? Act on it. You've got to act on what you, you have received from God. And so if God has told you to be obedient in this area, just act on it. If God tells you to go across the street to the 7-Eleven and, and buy a Slurpee, then buy the Slurpee and, and you'll, you'll know what to do next. Right? I see the kids like, yeah, I think God just told me that. And um, just like God was telling me to slow down, you're going to make it on time. It's going to be all right. I should have acted on that, and I, and I didn't. And, um, and, the, and, and, and listen, in that instance, God was gracious. But there were plenty of times where I didn't act on something, and I felt the consequences of that, and those were painful. And God was trying to keep me away from something, keep me out of a, a bad relationship, trying to rescue me from my own sinful behavior, and, uh, and I paid the consequences. But you've got to obey whatever God is telling you to do. If he's telling you to forgive your parents, you need to forgive them. If he's telling you uh, to, to be kind to your coworker or just be humble, let's do those things, right? Look again at verse 4. Look what Jesus says, right? Verse 4, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he gave Simon a command, put out into, into the deep and let down your nets for a catch, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And then Simon Peter answered, right? Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. How many of you know we do this to God all the time? God says, give, and you have a conversation. God, you don't know my budget. You don't know how much I make. God, you don't know the struggle, all this sort of stuff. And we have all kinds of ideas where we know better than God. God says, listen, don't hang out with that person because they're trouble. Don't be with that crowd. God, no, 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 God, I'm there to help them and, and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And we get hanging out with that crowd and it has an effect. God tells us these things to do and we think we know better than God. Man, I've done that so many times. God says, listen, you need to be obedient and you'll reap the reward of obedience. So he says, put down your nets for a catch. And, and Simon's Peter is like, look, Lord, we, we've been working all night. And I can just imagine, right? Peter's own internal conversation, I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. You don't know jack about fishing, Jesus, right? I don't know if he was saying that, but that's kind of maybe what I would be saying. You, know? you don't really know my life, Jesus. You don't really understand my life. We've been working all night, preacher boy, and um, you stick to preaching, you stick to building stuff, let us stick to the fishing. And how many times have we had those kind of conversations ourselves with God where we justify our disobedience, we justify the wrong things we're doing? They didn't think it was the right time. They thought they knew better. 
So sometimes obedience goes against your natural inclination, and you just need to obey the word of God. But aren't you grateful for Peter? Last week we saw that um, the, the, the children of Israel had a big butt they needed to get out of the way. Peter gives the right butt here. Some of y'all don't appreciate all my butt jokes, but verse, we're in, um, still in verse 5, right? Here's, here's the good butt here, right? Because he just cancels it out. Not my opinion. Not my opinion, right? I, I'm saying, Jesus, this is not the time to catch fish. We've been out here all night. We, we haven't caught anything. It's the daytime. This doesn't make any sense. But at your what? At your word, right? That's the truth. At your word, I will. Somebody say, I will. I will. I will. Somebody put, I will, in the chat. I will. I will let down the nets. In other words, God, this doesn't make sense to me, but I'm trusting you. God, I I don't see it this way, but I'm trusting because this is your word. And so when God tells you to do something, when he says, live according to these standards with your sexuality, God, I don't understand this, but I will do this. When he tells you to be a faithful giver, when, when he tells you to go talk to your coworker about Christ, God, I'm not so sure. Have you met my coworker? And, and he's saying, listen, I just want you to go over there and tell them about Christ today. I want you to go over there and pray for them. Uh, you know, and, and we have all these excuses, all these sorts of things. But I, I hope that we say, I will. I will. The Bible commentator, uh, William Barclay, said this. The night was past, and that was the time for fishing. All of the circumstances were unfavorable unfavorable. But Peter said, let the circumstances be what they may. If you say it, we will try again. Too often we wait because the time is not opportune. If we wait for the perfect set of circumstances, we will never begin at all. If we want a miracle, we must take Jesus at his word when he bids us to attempt the impossible. And so we need to make sure we are acting on what we find, acting on the truth. But because you said so, Jesus, so act on the simple things. And, um, and listen, act on the simple things. I remember, again, a verse that I memorized when I was a new Christian. It said, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with, with one another in love. Be completely humble and gentle. And I just went around all day long in uh, math class. Okay, God, how can I be completely humble and gentle today? And patient, bearing with one another in love. I just thought, God, if I can obey that today in this classroom for 45 minutes, I'll be okay. And then I get to the lunchroom, and I'm like, God, if, how can I be completely humble and gentle in the lunchroom? Patient, bearing with one another. How, how, can, I, how can I do that? Just right there, just, just a simple obedience, right? I used to have old preacher Rough and Snow, and uh, old preacher Rough and Snow with his cowboy boots from Oklahoma used to say, big doors swing on small hinges, and, um, and I, I, that was just such a great image for me is that big doors, big things happen in your life when you obey God in the small things. Because Jesus said, if you're faithful with a little, God will trust you with much. And so some of us are wondering why doors haven't opened for us, why things haven't moved forward in your relationships or in your finances or whatever. Maybe it's because of an area of disobedience that's been very small that you are not obeying God in. And you're asking God to bless something, and God's like, look, we were way back here and you went on without me and, and, and I can't bless your mess because you're walking in sin and your relationships and, and you just got to go back to square one. So kindness, self-control, giving, again, our relationships, sometimes our blessings are being blocked because we haven't acted 
in faith on what God has called us to do. And so we've got to act on what God has told us to do. And, and even though it doesn't necessarily um, navigate, that's just the church mice upstairs. Don't, don't worry about that. They're okay. They're just small little things. And um, so that's just folks, security folks walking upstairs. So uh, no big deal. So act on what you know. Act on the truth. Uh, so that's F-A. What comes next? Letter I. Right? Letter I. Involve some others. We have got to involve others. You can't do life on your own. You weren't created to do life on your own. If you want to increase your faith, you're going to need others on this journey. God didn't create us to be islands. God didn't create any Lone Ranger Christians, as we said. And even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. If you know who Lone Ranger or the Tonto is, well, Google it and, and you can figure that out. And, um, and so, listen, we need to involve others. Look at verses 6 through 7, verses 6 through 7, right? And when they had done this, right, that's the obedience. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. Man, God poured out a blessing, a blessing so much greater than they could even hold, right? Their nets were breaking. And then look at verse 7. And they signaled to who? They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full, right, that they began to what? Man, how many know that God wants to pour out more in your life than you can even hold? But, but when we are refusing to obey him, we'll miss the miracle. We'll miss the blessing. And so you need others. You need a group of people to do life with a group of Christians. We call them community groups here at Plaza, right? You need people. We need to ask for help. You're not going to be able to navigate this life on your own. And so, listen, I know especially the men, right? Men are often famous for not stopping and asking for directions, right? Right? We're just famous for that. I mean, maybe some of you men are not that way, but I know I am, right? We'll drive around the block six times before we ask for directions. And, um, and, and why is that? That's because of pride. That's because we're, we're, we're not wanting to be humble and involve some others and admit that we don't know it all and we might actually need someone else. Man, as our church, right, um, we, we are talking and praying about a merger, a church merger. And this is this reminder that we need others. And, and for people to be like, we don't need anybody else. I'm not so sure that's the kind of Christ-like attitude, right? For anybody to say, I don't need anybody else is bananas. We do need others. And it is a healthy thing. There is no shame in that. And sometimes that's where things come from. Things are fearful because we feel that others might make us nervous, or others might make us uh, feel insecure. What, what if they don't like me, or what if they're better than me, or, or what if this and that? And those are all things not from the Spirit of the Lord. Those are things from the flesh. This attitude of we don't need anybody else. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, at the very beginning of the Bible, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be what? Alone. God, I mean, this is just the way God has wrapped it into our DNA. So I will make a helper suitable or fit for him. It's pride that says, I don't need anybody else. We all need one another. We are part of a body, and we need all the body parts. If you don't think you need a body part, well, go ahead and chop off one of them, and let me know how that goes for you. And so you, as part of the body of Christ, you are needed as part of our body. And, and listen, we need others. And so who are you connected to? 
Writer and author Audrey Hopner says this when she talks about the pride of avoiding asking for help. She says, sometimes we avoid asking for help out of fear that it admits a failure on our part. We think, I should be able to handle this. I should be able to handle this on my own. I'm supposed to succeed. I'm supposed to just push through in parenting, in my marriage. And asking for help feels like admitting that I'm a failure. But the truth is God created us with a need for help. Asking for help isn't admitting failure, but it's recognizing God. She says this, even before the fall in the Garden of Eden, God created Adam to receive provision and help rather than be self-sufficient. On a material level, God had provided for all of Adam's food and water, even his breath to fill his lungs. He provided fellowship uh, for Adam through his own presence. And of course, he had the animals, but he did not have another human being. He needed the help of Eve. And so God created Adam with a need for help from another person. And he created Eve with this purpose in mind. It is not good for man to be alone, but I will make a helper suitable for him. God said that in his own creation was not complete until he had built in a way for the people to give and to receive help, even before sin had come into the world. It has been God's design for us to need help and to give each other help. This means our need for help is not shameful or equal to failure, but God honoring when we ask for help. God built into us a need from the very beginning. Then he immediately began to fulfill that need through others. We also see in Scripture that God has created each of us in the body of Christ with different strengths and different callings and, um, and to fulfill and glorify him, right? If it was just me up here, it would be really boring because none of you would be here. If there was no worship team, if there were no greeters, if there were no kids people, if there, were, if there weren't financial people, all these people here, all that sort of stuff, we, it wouldn't be the body of Christ. And so we need others. You need others. So reach over, touch your neighbor, and tell them, you need me. <laughs> you need me. Right? We need others. But the reality is this we often struggle she she wraps up her statement by by saying this even though asking for help doesn't automatically equate with a failure the fact is that we do fail the fact is we are weak and we are needy and though it can be painful for us to acknowledge that god never shames us for admitting the truth God's desire in Scripture is that we would cry out for him in help and turn to him. And he invites us to find our sufficiency, not in ourselves, but our sufficiency only in him. Sometimes gently, sometimes forcefully, God reveals to us that we are not able to meet our own needs, but that he desires to fill us with his own provision and grace where we are weak. Some people say, I won't admit my weakness. I won't ask for help because that sounds a lot closer to rebellion than submission to God, doesn't it? Remember what Paul, what uh, Paul said when he had that thorn in his flesh and God's response to him was? Paul had prayed, God, take away the thorn, take away the thorn. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power will be made perfect in your weakness. We all have weaknesses and we need other people. And most of all, we need Christ to strengthen our weakness. So to admit our weaknesses is not a bad thing. That should be the first thing we do as Christians. In fact, I just have to say to you, that is the first thing you need to do in order to become a Christian. 
If you're not here, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, the first thing you need to do is this. I admit I'm a sinner and I need God's help. And if you're here as a Christian today, that was your first step of obedience. And honestly, that should be our daily attitude of submission. God, I need you today. I can't do it on my own. And I surrender. And so when we talk about involving others, we need others. Look back at, at, the, at, at the text there, right? He's talking again. I just imagine uh, in verse 7 when, when they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats. I could imagine that, like, as, as we talk about a church merger, right, and they caught both of these boats. Notice they had a partner boat. But I wonder if, if the other boat was like, oh, no, we're a Baptist boat. We're not going over there to help them. That's great. Their boat is a different color than ours. We're not going over there to help them. Why would we do that? And, and listen, we're not going to be a part of that because they're different than us. Why, why would we do that? What would have happened to that boat? They'd have missed out on the blessing. They'd have missed out on the blessing because God was calling both of them to come together and be a part of what God was doing. And so, yeah, they had the opportunity to say, you know what? I don't think we're going to do that. Okay. Well, then you may miss out on the blessing. What kind of boat do they use? And that's different. Well, don't miss the blessing. And who is your group? Some of you avoid connecting with a group. Some of you avoid connecting to people even on Sunday because it is a little nerve-wracking. But you, sir or ma'am, you need a group of Christians to do life with. And so you have to find and be a part of that. And so F-A-I, we can all spell F-A-I. T is turn to Christ. T is turn to Christ. We're going to wrap it up here. Turn to Christ. We're talking about increasing our faith, but we're not talking about just nebulous faith, right? I saw a quote. Uh, you know, you've probably seen this quote before. It says this, right? All I need is faith, dust, or faith, trust, and pixie dust. Have y'all seen this like on people's walls? You know, all I need in life is faith, trust, and pixie dust. And that seems like a cute little saying, you know, and I appreciate a little Tinkerbell. I don't have nothing against Tinkerbell. And, uh, and, uh, but listen, this idea that you just got to have uh, faith, 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 faith in what? So we're not talking about just nebulous idea of faith. There is always an object of our faith. And so we're talking about turning to Christ. We're talking about faith in Christ. We're not talking about faith in Allah or just faith in general or just faith in a God who may be out there that we don't really know personally. But we're talking about faith in Christ alone, not just faith in trust and pixie dust. Like, just have faith, right? And, and there was an old uh, George Michaels song, man. I just keep dating myself, right? You got to have faith, faith, faith. Well, you do got to have faith, but there is an object of your faith, and that needs to be the correct thing. Look again at verse 8. It says this, verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, right, he saw the great catch that he was a part of, he fell down at whose knees? At Jesus' knees. He, he knew that Jesus was the author of this miracle. At Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful Man, oh Lord, he realized that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, that he really was who he said he was. Not just a good moral teacher, not just a religious rabbi, but he was the Messiah. Notice he calls him Lord. That is the term there that is used for God. I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. So it's not enough to just have faith, but who is the object of your faith? You might be very religious. You might be very religious. People know all about religion. The people in Jesus' day know all about religion. They, they, they memorized the scriptures. You might be religious, but do you have a relationship with the one and true God? Your parents may have taught you about 
uh, the Bible. But do you know Jesus yourself? You may have been hanging around church forever. You might be religious, but do you have a relationship? That is the question. And it's not just the man upstairs. It's not just God in general. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah who died on the cross for each of us. And so that's T, turn to Christ. You could put alone if you wanted to. Turn to Christ alone. And then H is humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humility should be the mark of believers, right? How many of us should know that the humility is, is how we walk as believers? Humble yourself. The Bible says God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I need some grace in my life, and I don't want to be opposed by God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Look at verses 8 through 11. We'll wrap this up. Verses 8 through 11 says this. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees, at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a what? A sinful man. He is being humble enough to say, God, I totally got it wrong. God, I messed up. God, I am humble enough to say, you know, I thought I knew about fishing, but Jesus, you know way more about fishing than I do. And so, God, I am sorry. I am sorry for my sins. God, I am a sinful man. You might be saying, what did Peter do? Peter just, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't do this or do that. He hadn't chopped off the, the, the servant of the high priest's ear yet. I mean, you know, he just, he was just kind of struggling with obeying God. The essence of all sin is not obeying God in our minds, in our thoughts, in our hearts. And so are we, we're rebelling against God in our minds and our hearts before we ever rebel against God in our actions. And so do we have humility? And is that the mark of our believers? Verse 8, right? So he says, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. Notice he's telling Jesus to leave him alone. He doesn't even feel worthy to be in God's presence. But notice how God treats him, verse 9. He and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. Also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. In other words, I'm not getting rid of you, Simon. I still love you despite your rebellion. I still want you to be on my team. I still want you to be one of the disciples. And so your past actions never, listen to me now, your past actions won't keep you out of the kingdom and won't keep you out of what God wants to do in your life unless you choose to stay in that prideful state. But God always invites you back to the table. Aren't you so glad that God invites you back to the table? Whew. And so he says, listen, don't be afraid. In other words, because there's shame involved, right? Don't be afraid. I, I still love you. Something. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You will be catching men. God has more for you. God has more for me. He had more for them. And then verse 11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. But it requires humility. It requires being saying, God, I need you. I want your direction over my life. God, I want to stay in that state of, God, I am and surrender. I'm raising my white flag and surrender. God, whatever you want. God, that's what I want. And I have this humble attitude. They left everything and they followed him. And so that's how we increase our faith. What if the greatest miracle wasn't the catch of fish? What if the greatest miracle was how God changed Simon Peter and James and John. We didn't talk about James and John. And how he shifted them to be followers of him. What if that's the greatest miracle? Because, I mean, look, a, gr a great catch of fish and bringing these two boats together was awesome. That was incredible. But do you know how many other things the disciples went on to do? 
Do you know many other things God used them for? Do you know that we are standing here today because of the faithful obedience of those disciples? And, and we are here as believers today because they obeyed God. And, and so, listen, the fish is awesome, and that's great. But the greater miracle is what happens inside of us. Uh, Emily P. Freeman in her book, What's Best Next, uh, says this. It's really the decision. We often have decisions to make. So it's really the decision that's the most important thing. It's who we become in the decision-making process. See, decisions reveal. Sometimes we get caught up like, God, what am I supposed to do about college? God, what am I supposed to do about this? Or God, what about a boyfriend? Or God, what about my, my, my future? God, what about the retirement uh, account that, that uh, you know, is, is kind of going down and down and down and down and down and down? And, uh, and God, what, what am I going to do about that? And God's, God's like, I, there are, could be multiple answers to those. But who are you becoming in that process? Who are, you, who are you becoming more like Christ? Or are you starting to get more worldly, more sinful, more arrogant, all those sorts of things? Or are you becoming more like my son? That is really the question. Who do we become like? In the midst of our conversations about a church merger, I appreciate Donnie's prayers, right? Do, do we become more like Christ in our conversation? The, the most important question isn't necessarily will we merge or not. The most important question is are we becoming the kind of people that honor Christ? And, and if, and if uh, you know, a church merger reveals stuff in our hearts, man, maybe God allowed that to happen on purpose because there's some sin there. There's some pride. There's some arrogance, you know, that, that, that gets pulled up in us. And so we have to ask those questions. I believe God has more for us, more than what just you and I see. And the greatest miracle is what happens inside of us. In fact, the greatest miracle is really becoming a born-again believer in Jesus Christ where God takes a dead heart and he resurrects it. And, and that is the greatest miracle that ever happened. I mean, eternal life given to people who are spiritually dead. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, again, as we said uh, before uh, about you might have religion, but do you have a relationship? That's the greatest miracle. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ personally, we'd love to invite you to know him. We'd love to invite you to trust him, just like what Jesus said. Hey, listen, let down your nets and, and, and receive me. Follow me. Leave everything you have in this life. Leave your opinions, leave your way of doing things, and follow Christ. I'd like for you to bow your heads, and if you're at home watching, you can bow your head as well, with eyes closed, nobody bothering their neighbor. Love for you just, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, love to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you know that's you and God is speaking to you, you might want to repeat this prayer, just a simple prayer. There's no magic words to it, but if, if this expresses the desire of your heart, love to um, have you pray this. With me, You can pray it there just in the quietness of your heart, again, even in your living room. You might want to say something like this, just in the quietness of your heart, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, I'm sorry for doing life my way. God, I'm sorry for doing life my way. And I want to follow your ways. I want to follow your ways. I believe Jesus who died on the cross for me. I believe Jesus who died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you rose again on the third day. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. If you pray that prayer for the first time with heads bowed and eyes closed, love for you to.